Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily Harvest.com slash IS Stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 62 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Shelby Marquard. Shelby is from Austin, Texas, where she is very busy. She is an anesthesiologist. She's a mom, and she's also a business owner who runs a scrubs business with her husband. Welcome, Shelby. Hi, Jen. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you today. Yes, you are a busy woman. (laughs) (laughs) It is busy, but it's fun. It is. You know, I like to be busy, too. It It keeps life exciting to have a lot going on, right? And it makes fasting easier. Oh, that's true. You know, the days that I'm just lounging around, I'm like, oh, because <laughs> eating is fun, but you're right. It does make fasting easier. So, you know, I like to start off by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when that was. So let's start there. Well, 
my story isn't all that long other than, you know, I haven't really struggled with weight throughout my life until I hit probably the end of medical school and when I first started practicing anesthesia in Austin. And so when you start practicing, you have a lot of stress. You're very new. You're still seeing things that you haven't seen before. You're now a doctor. You get to go to all the doctor's lounges. There's free food everywhere you go. (laughs) And the food is actually really good. And so, you know, you just kind of see that slow creep. And so I've always kind of been on a quest to find this effortless, like weight maintenance and health that I feel like we should be able to have, but it just seems so hard to achieve. And you know, done it all, counting calories, vigorous exercise, weight watchers, counting points. I mean, oh my gosh, I've done it all. But I've always thought like, it just shouldn't be this hard. You know, typical American woman gains like a pound a year. And if you do some like quick math, it's like not so pretty, you know, as you, as you age. And I thought there's just got to be an easier way than jumping from diet to diet. So fast forward to actually 2017, I'll never forget. It was July. We were in Colorado on a family trip and I saw one of my friend's husbands and he had become so lean. I hadn't seen him in several months. And I said, you know, oh my gosh, what are you doing? And he said, well, I just skip breakfast. And, you know, you know, my old dieting mentality was like thinking in my head, oh, well, that's just calorie reduction, you know, like, I mean, that's been tried a billion times and we kind of talked a little bit and he's like, no, no. And he's actually an ophthalmologist and one of the smartest people I know. So I thought, okay, like, what is he really doing? And he sent me, he just sent me a link and it was to Dr. Fung's website and it was just dietdoctor.com. That's all he sent me. So I got on the plane and I started like reading the link and I was like, oh my gosh, like I had never heard this before, you know, and being in medicine, I can't believe I had never heard it. Well, you know, I think that's fabulous for you to say, because those of us that are lay people, we assume that you have like the magical keys to everything, (laughs) but you, you are still learning things too, right? Oh yeah. I mean, this literally opened my eyes to something I had no knowledge of. And I look back at kind of medical training. And I think, I don't think I ever had any nutrition training. I mean, I honestly don't think I even had like an hour of nutrition training. Because we hear that, you know, the rumor is y'all have an hour, (laughs) but you you don't remember the hour. Right. And, you know, I think now, like I've been practicing 12 years and I realized like nutrition really is kind of the root of all wellness and probably, you know, 80% of the surgeries that, that we do maybe could be traced back to health. So, you know, I dove in deep on this website and then I'm kind of an audio book freak. And so I started looking for intermittent fasting books. And this is when Delay Don't Deny came into my life. And I immediately downloaded it and I like listened to it so fast, like in one day. And I, I just, my eyes were so wide open. I felt like the way that you described kind of how we got to where we are right now, I just had so much clarity afterwards. And I thought everything you were saying that you had tried, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've tried that. Oh my gosh, I've tried that. You know, and I really like, like even the term insulin, of course, as a physician, I know what insulin does, but I didn't have the appreciation for its role in weight gain and weight loss and like how this whole cycle of hunger and insulin resistance and how it's just such a vicious cycle that's really hard to break. And so, you know, I started with 16-8 because to me, I thought, okay, I can, I can wrap my brain around that, you know, pushing through breakfast, 
I didn't clean fast in the beginning. I have to admit, I didn't really understand the importance of that <laughs> in the beginning. I mean, like Diet Dr. Pepper was like my best friend. So, you know, I would wake up and literally robotically go to the fridge and crack a Diet Dr. Pepper. And so it was a little hard to break that. But, you know, over time, you you do get kind of like used to that black coffee. And I find if I ice it, I like it a lot more. Yeah, it's smoother, right? I think people find that. Yeah, it is. And now it's actually funny because I like crave that black coffee in the morning now. And I mean, Dr. Pepper is no longer in my life. (laughs) Right. It's not even good if you try it now, is it? No, it's not. And now that I know kind of what it does behind the scenes in your body, even though you think it's kind of a free food, it's totally not free. And it's full of chemicals. And there's all these, you know, studies about neurotoxicity. And I just thought, I just don't need this in my life. So we have Topo Chico in the, you know, in the South. I don't know if y'all have Topo Chico, but that is like a staple now. So that's how I came to it. And I've kind of tweaked it over like the last, I don't know, since that time I went all the way from like 16, eight, all the way up to like 24. And then I did a 23, one for a really long time. But I realized that I kind of like to eat. (laughs) So I'm kind of back to like an 18. And I feel like it's like a really nice sweet spot for me. Yeah. And I think that that's important because we do try lots of different timings along the way. And, you know, there's no rule that you have to stick to the same one. And there's also no rule that it's going to be the same one that that you need long term. You know, I had some times where I did, you know, a 23-1 or a 22-2 when I was really trying to lose weight at the end and fit into a spring-summer wardrobe back in 2015. But, you know, that's not enough time for me now. Like I love food too, and it wouldn't be enough food for the day at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've I've, found, I've kind of tweaked what I eat during that window too. I think in the beginning I was really hoping that I could just like totally pig out on all like the super processed yummy foods, you know, that you've denied yourself for so long. But I found that if I if I keep the carbs a little lower and I keep the processed foods a little lower, that I'm like much more satiated. So the fast is far easier the next day when I've kind of eaten some whole foods at night with some good nutrients. And so, you know, that's really important. You know, you're a doctor, you've struggled with the same thing all of us have and the the counting the calories, but you've realized now that it's quality of food is so much more important than just, you know, the number of calories that are in it. Oh my gosh. I think it's so true. I mean, I, I literally don't count calories anymore. I, I hope I never do that again. Sometimes I'll look at things just to get a general idea, but the thought of logging that, I, I just can't, I can't bear it. <laughs> Too many other things to do in life. Oh, absolutely. And it's harder to log when it's whole foods versus processed foods. I mean, the processed foods are so easy to log because there are those calorie counts right on them, but there's no calorie count on an avocado. Right. I know. And there's all different sizes and you never know what you're really getting, but you shouldn't have to know, right? No, you shouldn't have to weigh it. (laughs) Well, I think there was something I don't remember. It was maybe on another podcast where we somebody talked about how there's no obese animals in the wild. And, you know, that really struck a chord with me. I was like, of course there's not. I mean, it just shouldn't be so hard. You know, they don't think about what they're eating, how many calories they're eating. And so to me, evolutionarily, it just makes so much sense to not be like grazing all day long, you know, and that you should just eat super satisfying meals and smaller windows. And it just becomes effortless at that point. 
Yeah. And, and the fact that it is so much more satisfying, that's what, what I have found. You know, last night I had a dinner, it was plated <laughs> and it was sweet potatoes, Brussels sprouts, some kind of squash, I think delicata squash. It was so satisfying. And I, it was all the, the nutrients and all the veggies and my body was so happy after I ate it. Oh my gosh. Now that sounds delicious, right? It used to be, I would be like, oh, I got to get my broccoli in. <laughs> and now I'm like, I get excited about that. Me too. I would have been like Brussels sprouts. No, thank you. That sounds really bad. But <laughs> but the point is that when I was done eating it, I was really full and satisfied. I don't know how many calories it was, but it was enough food for my body. And I like to think of our bodies, our bodies don't count calories. They count nutrients. And so you know, they let us know when we've had enough to eat nutrient wise. I totally agree with you. And like this, finding your book and kind of diving in deep to wellness and nutrition has brought me so much clarity on all of this. And then I realized that our bodies are craving those nutrients and we will eat and eat and eat until we get the nutrients that we need. And so that's why you can eat like maybe 10 bags of goldfish. You know, there's like, there's not very many nutrients in there. Right. And so your body just keeps grazing and grazing, looking for that that nutrient that it's looking for. Exactly. You know, I've been on days when I, when I didn't get the nutrients that I needed, I would be like so full and yet still eating because my body's like, that wasn't it. Yeah, that wasn't it. That wasn't it either. <laughs> Sitting down something else. And then by the end, you're like, oh, I feel sick, but I'm still not satisfied. It just makes you're just so differently satisfied. I know one other physician I listened to talked about, you know, satiety and it's like protein, fat, fiber, and then your gastric stretch receptors. So it's like you can either like get satiety from protein or fat, but if you eat like super processed foods, you're just going to eat and eat until your stomach stretches and you have that like gastric stretch receptor that fires. And then you finally say, oh gosh, okay, I'm done and my belly's aching, you know? By the time that happens, it's too late though, right? You're, you're overly full. We've all been there. And it's the worst feeling. And you're like, I never want to do that again. Oh, totally. Yes. So you've been doing this. Tell me, you started in, in 2017. Is that right? July, mm-hmm, July of 2017. And I've listened to every single one of your podcasts and every single one with Melanie as well. I mean, I'm a total like binge listener, but you know, I know I, I'm not the typical story of somebody trying to lose 30 or 40 pounds, but I, I am typical in a way of, you know, that, like we said, that American woman who has that slow creep. And before you know it, you're just like, don't like anything in your closet and feel like you never have anything to wear. And, and to me, I'm like, I love clothes. I love sewing. That's how, you know, we started that scrubs business. And like, I just want to feel comfortable. That's really my goal. And so, you know, I don't weigh myself anymore. I broke it with my scale. I, I was inspired inspired by your story. And I finally decided I'm just done with that because it really kind of would like make or break my morning. And I thought, this is so silly. I can still wear the same clothes, but I'm like sad about some crazy number that really means nothing, you know, and you can get on the next day and it's two pounds less, but it's just maybe because you didn't have as much salt. I mean, it's just so, there's so many variables. Absolutely. So did you lose weight like, or did you just get back comfortable again? I think you know, so when I started this, I remember seeing a picture of myself and like, maybe most people wouldn't think it was, you know, not so good. But for me, I just looked kind of like puffy and just like, I don't know, like, just not like myself. And so when I started this, I realized kind of that inflammation has gone down. And, you know, I've probably lost about five pounds, but 
I just feel like so much better. And I feel like, you know, again, I haven't weighed in a while, but I would say I've gained lean muscle and I've lost that fat. And that's why I don't really care about that number anymore because I know that I feel better. And then I don't feel so puffy, you know, and inflamed and just so many signs of that. Like I used to like kind of be restless when I would sleep or, you know, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like hot (laughs) under your covers. I don't feel that anymore. It's like the littlest things that like changed my quality of life. So it got that slow creep to like halt and to start reversing. And so, you know, I I probably want to lose like another five pounds, but I know that it's a lifestyle. So I'm just going to keep, keep on this path and like slowly, slowly I'll get there. But I'm really, you know, I feel just, I feel good right now, but maybe a couple more pounds would be good. (laughs) Well, it'll, it'll just gradually, I've gradually gotten leaner. I keep track of my waist measurement. I have a tape measure in my closet. And sometimes when I'm getting dressed, I'll just pull that out and measure my waist. It keeps me honest. (laughs) Sometimes it has been up a little bit and I'm like, oh yeah, I went to the beach a few times this month and (laughs) had some longer windows and then I'll you know, tighten it up and then it'll be down. And it's just, you know, a matter of keeping honest with it, but it it has gone down over the years that I've been, you know, maintaining. So it's an easy way to keep track using your clothes or using a tape measure. Oh, I agree. And you were talking about going to the beach. I mean, one of my biggest, my husband loves to travel. And so we try and take some adventures, but I would always stress out so much like, oh shoot, this is going to blow my whole like you know, quote diet and I'm going to come back feeling bad. And we went on this European vacation this summer and it was a cruise. We had never gone on a cruise, which we loved, but you know, it's like food extravaganza. And I thought, how am I going to do this? But you know, I had I up in my back pocket and I was like, I'm just going to like, keep doing what I'm doing, you know, 16 or 18 hour fast. And it was so easy. And I came back feeling just like myself. And to me, that was a win. Yeah, that's the best part. I remember that last cruise before intermittent fasting, then I have the photo of it in Delay Don't Deny. And I did not feel like myself and I did not come back feeling like myself. And that was the inspiration for me to finally get serious. But to come back from a vacation and still feel like yourself. I just came back. I was in Portland, Oregon for a few days with some friends recently. And there is great food in Portland. Shout out to all of you that live near there because I didn't have a bad meal (laughs) the whole time I was there. And I was like, well, I'm only here for a few days. I want to experience a lot of restaurants. I ate two meals a day the whole time I was there. And yeah, I was full (laughs) by the end of it. But, you know, I came home just like you from that European vacation and boom, no guilt. Yeah. And you know, I used to pack so many snacks in my bag, like literally half of my suitcase. I was like, oh, these are all my healthy snacks and my bars and like my protein powder and all these things, you know, and I didn't have to do that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have half, half of my suitcase came back, you know, like for, (laughs) for other, put more shoes. (laughs) Right. So I don't know. That was pretty liberating. I have to say. It really is liberating to not have to travel with snacks. I remember that too. You know, when I was flying out to Portland, I flew in the morning. My flight was all messed up. So I ended up having to stay overnight somewhere and take another flight. But in the morning I got up, I passed by all the, you know, breakfast lines at the airport. I was in Dallas, by the way. I was in your neck of the woods. (laughs) A little bit. How far away is Dallas? That's three and a half hours driving. So about 200 miles. Well, I was, you know, people were eating their, their breakfasts and... 
I was just so free to not have to deal with that. And then I flew all the way to where I was going and it didn't matter if it was lunchtime. I was like, I'll just eat dinner later. Mm -hmm. It was so easy. It really is. And I, I have the same experience in the mornings. I mean, I think I used to spend an hour every night meal prepping, like no joke. And, you know, I would have all my Tupperware, little containers, and I would walk out the door with this big bag and it was exhausting. I mean, I cannot explain it. You know, I have a nine-year-old son, so we're very busy with sports and everything. And I mean, the time I had to commit to that was crazy. And now I just walk out the door. I mean, sometimes if I'm on late call, I, I do take some dinner with me or a late afternoon snack because I mean, the hospital food's good, but it's not like that good. <laughs> so I do prepare for that, but it's, I feel free, you know, like if I forget to go to the grocery store or something, it's like no big deal. I can, I'll be fine. That really is true. I remember when I, you know, taught school and always would take my lunch and I had all these different bags. Like I had a whole section of my pantry that was full of like my lunch bags and my <laughs> lunch equipment. Did you have all that too? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, so much effort. <laughs> and we just moved and I threw all of that away. <laughs> I was like, I'm never going to use these lunch bags. Yeah. I mean, it is a little strange to go like, I mean, anesthesia is very social. We There's a lot of us working together and we go to the doctor's lounge and we eat and, you know, generally I don't, but that's okay. I mean, you know, I just have a sparkling water or a black coffee or something. So I thought I'd miss out on that social part. But once you get over that hump of kind of not always having to eat with everybody and you just enjoy the the fellowship of being together, it's totally fine. In the beginning, it's a little weird though, <laughs> you know. It is. And a lot of people are really self-conscious about it because they feel like everybody's going to look at them like they're a weirdo or they're going to get criticized. So did any of the doctors around you criticize what you were doing? You know, when you say intermittent fasting, a lot of people hear that fasting word and they do automatically go to starving yourself. I mean, for sure, I have heard that a hundred times. But honestly, I, I tell people about your book and I tell people about Dr. Fung and I just say, you know, just read it for yourself. It's just so, it's such an easy read. It will open your eyes so wide. And now it's funny, there's a couple surgeons I mean, it's funny, even one of the general surgeons that does bariatrics, every time I'm doing his anesthesia, he's like picking my brain, you know, about like what I've read and what I think about something. And so I think people are starting to catch on. My family doesn't think I'm so weird anymore. I've got my mom, my aunt, my two sisters, <laughs> they've all read the book. So, and I, I actually, my husband who it's hard to get him to read anything. He reads news like crazy. He's so well-read, but he doesn't read for pleasure, you know? I made him listen to your book. I put one earbud in his ear and the other in mine. So I knew that he was listening. I had to force him on a plane flight and he listened to it. And I think that he was the same. He had a lot of clarity afterwards. And he, you know, he has some pretty strong family history of cardiac disease. So I've always been quite nervous about that because obviously we've been together since we were 14. I, I plan on having him around a very long time. So I was just very scared because I could see kind of a slow creep in the direction of like, you know, pre-diabetes and like pre-hypertension. And I was like, this cannot happen, you know? And he, a year ago, his internal medicine doctor, I went to the appointment with him and he said, yeah, I mean, your hemoglobin A1C is borderline. And so are some of the other tests that show that maybe you're becoming insulin resistant. And he started doing just 16. I, I could get him to wrap his brain around 16. And he went back this year and he lost 15 pounds without really trying. 
And so he, it's like, I feel like, you know, we pulled him back from the, the brink of like going down that metabolic syndrome that, I mean, we see every day, all day in the hospital, you know? Oh yeah. And, and it's the root of so many health conditions. Like, like really, if you go to that, you know, to insulin resistance and the metabolic syndrome, it just like has all these tentacles that could go this way or that way or the other way, but it's not going to go to health. You know, you're going to have problems. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think about this so much now that I've, I do nothing but read about this stuff. And every time I put somebody to sleep, I just, it's kind of like my heart breaks a little bit because I feel like now, like I'm fortunate to have found the knowledge that most people will never have. And that's why I kind of try and spread it around as much as I can, but it's, it's not always that easy, you know, to introduce it. And, you know, anesthesia is kind of interesting because when patients come in the hospital, they've chosen their surgeon and they've chosen the hospital, but they haven't chosen their anesthesiologist. So we have about five to seven minutes to build a rapport with them, you know, and let them know that we can be trusted and that we're going to take good care of them. And a lot of times patients are more scared of the anesthesia than they are of the actual surgery. So, you know, we have to talk about that and you know, so often I just know that the reason that we're doing what we're doing is because of that insulin resistance, but most people don't understand it. Cause you just, you meet them the day of the surgery and you do not continue to have a relationship with them. You just see them that one day. Right. You take care of them during the surgery. Often people don't remember us. They may remember us a little bit in the beginning, but they don't remember us. Obviously throughout the surgery, they don't remember us, but even afterwards. So we don't get to build that relationship, but we have like this like five to seven minutes where we do build a relationship. And sometimes you have, you know, I'll have patients that'll say something like, oh, you're so lucky. You're, you know, you don't struggle with your weight. And I, I kind of want to say, oh my gosh, I have, like, this has been like a lifelong journey of trying to find a way to, to stay lean, you know? And, and I think that's an important thing to remember you know, you may look at someone who, like you, you said you never were more than five to 10 pounds above really where you wanted to be. Or when you started intermittent fasting, that's all you were. And so someone who might be 100 pounds overweight that's getting ready to go into surgery with you as the anesthesiologist, you know, they their struggle is visible. You know, you can see they need to lose 100 pounds, but that doesn't lower the fact that you were also struggling. It doesn't you know, diminish that you were struggling every day to, to try to just live your life. Right. And thinking about every meal and wondering if you were making good choices. And like, that's exhausting when you're trying to, you know, run a business, be a doctor, raise a family. Like it just, I didn't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So the free, the mental freedom for all of us, you know, whether you're someone who's just always struggled really hard to maintain your weight but it, we knew it had to be easier or someone like me who had to lose 80 pounds, but intermittent fasting makes it better for all of us. It absolutely does. And it's not only like, you know, we talk about the satiety hormones being out of whack and kind of being able to get those back into balance, but it's just not the control. I hate the word control, you know, over food, but it's just the control over the hangries, you know, and that they, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to be a slave to that feeling, you know? And I guess that's the control that I kind of enjoy is not, not being in the middle of a case and becoming so hungry that I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody's got to get me a snack, you know? And just being somewhere and not having your snacks with you in the car, or being on vacation, not having access to what you normally eat, just, just that control, not letting it control you, you know? 
Yeah, you just have, you know, you've got your your life back to be able to choose. You're like, you know, that day I didn't eat because I was flying and then I had an event that night. You know, I didn't eat from dinner until Dallas until 8 p.m. in Seattle, then or really 8.30. And that was, you know, with the time change and everything with the, you know, the, the time zones. But it was okay. I wasn't like, I've got to eat. I've got to find something I need to. But I was like, I'll but just eat afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's wonderful. It was wonderful. There was absolutely no sense of panic, no sense of urgency. Although when we got to the restaurant, we were like, all right, we would like guacamole and we would like it now. <laughs> <laughs> it is like once you start, you know, I could go seven more hours, but I have to eat guacamole right now. <laughs> right. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Once you make your mind up, that's the way it is for me. Or like I've been at a restaurant, we were waiting for somebody and I was like, it's time to eat. And then someone was late, like 30 minutes late. And then I was like, I need to eat now. And I'm like, wait, no, I don't. I can wait 30 more minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you don't talk to patients about long-term things because you're just with them for that, that short period of time. I found it so interesting that the bariatric surgeon, you know, is kind of picking your brain about it. Right. I've also had an endocrinologist. I spoke with him for a long time and I told him actually, you know, I said, if I was not an anesthesiologist, I, I really would open a fasting clinic in Austin. Like, I just feel like I love this science. And I think it's a shame that, that people don't have access to the, the knowledge and we need to spread it. So if I didn't do anesthesia, I would open a fasting clinic. If you could find an endocrinologist and get them to, <laughs> to yeah, I, th that made me so happy. One time I got an email from an endocrinologist who said, I read your book and this is coming from an endocrinologist. I'm like, I'm a, I'm just a girl over here who <laughs> lost weight. And I, you know, I'm a smart person. I can read and study and all of that. But an endocrinologist said, I require that my type two diabetic patients read your book. And I'm like, oh my Lord, really? It was shocking to me. <laughs> it was huge. And, you know, it also made me feel like, well, I must not have made any giant mistakes, and <laughs> which is always good. <laughs> but, you know, we, we need to find a way to explain these things to patients, you know, so that they can take back control and do it in a way with, with fasting instead of, you know, the surgeries and the medications and heal well, I agree. And I feel like it, it is so scary when you talk to somebody who, you know, eats, you know, five to six meals a day, it is super scary to think about fasting. So I, you know, when I was kind of learning about all this, Dr. Fung and Megan Ramos talk about fat fasting, where you can just get your body kind of like fat adapted and learning to use its own fat and like using that as a bridge to deplete your glycogen stores. And so that's what I, I always tell people, like just kind of at least for like the first week, you don't have to be keto forever, but it really helps bridge that gap so that you can feel like super satiated, but like give your body a chance to learn how to use fat for fuel and then start to push out your window. And to me, that's the best technique if you're going from standard American diet and then trying to incorporate this in. It's just too much to all of a sudden 
say, Oh, I'm going to get fast 20 hours, which is what I do. I'm always like all in, you know, (laughs) but it's not, (laughs) it's not the best way to do it or the most comfortable way. Well, you know, in delight on deny, I talk about that in the eating window chapter about, and it was inspired for me by, and of course the fat fast that fun talks about now, but it was inspired for me by the carbohydrate addicts diet, which I'm sure you remember that from delight on deny. They had the low carb breakfast, the low carb lunch, and then the hour reward meal. And so using that to kind of help you bridge like you said, the adjustment period. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. I've got a new book coming out, have you have you seen that? I don't know if you're are you in the Facebook groups? I am, yes. Okay. So my new book is coming out in 2020, still will not quite be out by the time this podcast airs. But I have a, a section called the Fast Start. And in it you can choose whether you want to ease in, kind of like you just said, with the, the low carb breakfast, lunch, and regular dinner, or if you want to rip off the mandate. <laughs> like you did, and know that there will be challenges that go along with with that approach, if that's what you choose. But I want to circle back to something you said before about the idea that fasting is going to be hard. And a friend of mine said something this week and that really like stuck with me. She said, let me see if I can, I'm paraphrasing. She said, dieting is easy to contemplate, but hard to execute. You know, all those diets we did. They sound so easy, but then it's really hard to do them. Fasting is the opposite. It's hard to contemplate, but then it becomes easy to execute. Oh my God. That's so true. Yeah. I loved that. That is so true. Mm -hmm. It's just hard to wrap your brain around it when you've lived this way. I mean, I'm 42, almost 43. So it's, I mean, that's a long habit to break, (laughs) you know, 42 years of feeling like you had to eat breakfast to have your brain fueled. Yeah. So what did you have to unlearn? 
you know, even as a doctor, I'm sure you had bad info <laughs> going through your brain. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think unlearning, okay, there's a couple of things. I would say unlearning that breakfast is necessary for your brain to function and to keep your metabolism high. I, I do not agree with that anymore. Feeling like you have to eat carbohydrates throughout the day to keep your brain fueled. Again, not true. And you know, it's so funny. I was thinking about this the other day, but I did a 12 hour craniotomy on a girl, a young girl. And, you know, we check blood levels for many things throughout the surgery, but one of them is glucose. So for 12 hours, she was sleeping with no nutrition, no sugar in the IV. And her glucose was 100% steady from the moment we went to sleep to the moment we woke up. And I didn't give her any glucose. So that just tells you like your body is fully capable of using its own stores, you know, but what we've been taught is you're going to get like quote hypoglycemic and then your brain's not going to function well. And, you know, I think that, I mean, maybe in a small subset of people can happen, but, or it could happen, of course, if you inject insulin, I mean, obviously, you know, but for the person who doesn't inject insulin, I mean, your body will, will find the glucose it needs. Yeah. It's going to get, get that glycogen out of your liver. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you'll eventually, once your body adjusts to fasting, you'll have some ketones, then your brain loves those. They do. Yeah. I love all the science behind using it for dementia. Right. Me too. Mm -hmm. I, I just love that. Have you read any of Mark Matson's work? I haven't. No. He's great. You should look him up. He's out of Johns Hopkins. I have a few researchers that I super love, and he's my favorite fasting researcher, Mark Matson. Oh, I'll have to look him up for sure. I'm like, any information I can get, I just soak it up. I love it. Yeah, he does all the neurological stuff. And actually, I think he just retired, which is really sad, but because <laughs> I wanted him to do more. <laughs> but I'm sure his work will go on. You know, I'm sure the people that he, he's left behind at Johns Hopkins will continue what he's doing. But yeah, he does all the, he has all the neurological stuff and he talks a lot about ketones and he's got a really great journal article. I'll see if I can find it and send it to you. I have it linked in the new book, but it's about flipping the metabolic switch, I think is the name of it. If you search for that on PubMed with flipping the metabolic switch, you can find it, but it's a summary of all of the good fasting research. So it's highly recommended. Oh, I bet that's great. It really is. I have it in the recommended reading section of my new book, Fast, Feast, Repeat, just because, you know, if you have a basic understanding of fasting, you know, a lot of the journal articles are are really hard for a layperson to comprehend. But this one, if you have a basic understanding of the, the words ketosis, the ideas of, you know, glycogen, you'll really get a lot out of this article for a layperson. I mean, you would totally understand it, but. Well, sometimes they can be pretty dense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but he's, he's got a good way of explaining it. So definitely look him up. All right. So you mentioned that you had to unlearn about the breakfast and the metabolism needing the boost and also that, you know, we were going to have the blood sugar crash. Anything else you had to unlearn? That exercise plays a very small, if not minuscule role and the way our body looks and our body composition. I mean, I think it's great for so many things, mental clarity, you know, toning up, balance, core strength, all of that. But, you know, I think for so long, we were just like thinking we could like run off the bagel that we had at lunch. And it's just so hard to outrun the a poor diet. And I think that took some time to unlearn. But again, liberating one more time, you know, add one more thing to the list that's liberating of not having to, you know, vigorously exercise to, to undo what you've eaten. 
And I, that is such a a mindset shift that so many people have, you know, the whole undo what you've eaten with exercise. And I actually read an article one time. I, I can't, I'm just paraphrasing again here, but it was something about how that's actually a type of eating disorder. Thinking, okay, I ate this many calories. Now I need to exercise. It's almost like a bulimia with exercise. I don't remember what the terminology was. I mean, obviously it's not the same as bulimia where you're purging, but it was a similar concept. Well, it's like an obsessive compulsive thing, right? I guess the, that's what I'm, I feel like I've heard of what you're talking about, but the compulsion is probably the exercise part, you know, having to undo what you were thinking about or obsessing about before, I don't know, or somehow doing that to make it feel better, I think is, I don't know. That's interesting. I'll have to look that up. I like, I ate this many calories. Now I have to exercise that many off, you know, <laughs> there are people who live that way and, you know, you just want to give them a hug. Oh, I know. I know. Exercise because you love it. Exercise because it feels great. You're not saying, and I'm not saying that exercise is not key. It is. It's it's part of being a healthy person, but it's not going to undo, like you said, that bagel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love, I love that you would never count another calorie again. You know, what would you say to somebody? Because I'm sure people say it around you, you know, it's all calories in, calories out. What would you say to that person? For me, when I talk about IF, I talk about it's not calorie restriction. It's just calorie timing, you know? So I'm not, when I talk to people about it, I say, you know, nobody's asking anybody to eat less than they were before, but just consider compressing that time that you're eating it. And then, you know, I talk about getting your insulin low enough to, to basically take the padlock off your own fat, you know, and that we, if you look back at the standard American diet, there's never a time during the day where we do that. And then I think back, I'm like, have I ever done that in 42 years? (laughs) Have I ever had the padlock off my own fat? Like I've probably just been slowly, you know, accumulating baby amounts of fat over time. I don't know. I mean, if, if you've never like let your body get that insulin super low, I don't see how you could have tapped into your fat reserves. You know, I think I may have done that a little bit back in the crazy days when I was taking the diet pills that I got from my doctor. But I think I I didn't eat. I just didn't eat. I would like just take the diet pills and then I had no appetite and I didn't eat. So I probably had my insulin down low <laughs> during that period. And I also was really thin. But other than that, you felt guilty when you skipped a meal. I did. I, I would, I, I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't skip that meal. Got to keep that metabolism going. I know. I visited a trainer maybe I don't know, three years ago. And I was like, I'm going to get into shape, you know, and, and still the advice is three meals with two snacks. I mean, still to this day. So, you know, I I guess that works for some people, but I think I I remember you and Melanie saying like that once you start eating, it's on, you know, you, you want to eat all the things. And so like, it's just easier to not, and that sounds crazy until you do it. And, but then you're like, you know, I mean, I generally eat around one, two, sometimes maybe three, depending on the day. But, but once I start eating, I'm like, I'm ready to have a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. And I think that's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to enjoy all the things and have, have the food and feel satisfied. We're not supposed to eat tiny amounts of food all day long and feel restricted and unsatisfied all the time. Right. Exactly. I mean, that, I think that's what this did for me is I ha- finally had that feeling of satisfaction. And it was like such a wonderful feeling, you know, like I literally ate until I was full, like no restriction. And it was so wonderful after like, because the last thing I did was Weight Watchers before this. 
So I felt, I felt restricted on that for sure. Like I remember going to bed unsatisfied and hungry and still not seeing results. Right. That's the worst part. Not only are you unhappy and feeling restricted, but you're not getting the results that you want either. So I would like to ask you as a, as a doctor, how would you recommend that people talk to their doctors about intermittent fasting? You know, because a lot of people are scared to, to bring it up or they may have a doctor who doesn't know. I mean, you still run across physicians that that aren't familiar with intermittent fasting, even though I hope there are fewer of them. What What should people do when they're talking to their doctors? I feel like sometimes just presenting information that maybe you have found that you've been reading. I know everybody says like Dr. Google, you know, like people have Googled the, you know, the treatment for whatever their ailment is, but you know, this is different and there there's real science behind this. And so sometimes, you know, I find like if people are not very medical, I say, read Jen's book because Jen's book is conversational. You'll feel like she's your best friend. You will totally resonate with what she's saying. And it, it's a little sciencey, but it's not like overwhelmingly sciencey. You know, Dr. Fung's book gets really sciencey in the middle, but it's great. It's like so full of information. So sometimes I think like if you want to talk to your doctor, you could maybe reference that diet doctor website, Dr. Fung's website, because he is founded in lots of research. And I think that speaks, you know, volumes when you're speaking to a clinician. Or print out that flipping the metabolic switch article. You can go to PubMed and search for it or just, and that would be really great to take to a doctor. Yes, I definitely think so. Or tell them that you want to try it and you have your pre-lab work and, you know, maybe just come back in like a month and get lab work again, just to kind of prove it you know, things are improving and they're not going awry. Right. Although I will say, do you know, sometimes people see cholesterol actually go up in the short term and that, that freaks a lot of people out. I mean, pretty much every day we have people are like, oh no, I went to the doctor and I'm like, and you're going to say your cholesterol was up and yep, there it is. (laughs) Because when you're losing fat, that can cause temporary high cholesterol. Right. And, you know, when people think about heart disease, like we're so hyper-focused on cholesterol, but diabetes, insulin resistance, hypertension, I mean, contribute so much more to heart disease, you know, than a slightly elevated LDL. So, you know, you have to kind of like weigh those benefits. But if there was anything I'd be super concerned about, it's insulin resistance, diabetes, uncontrolled hypertension. So what would what would you have someone look for? You know, let's say a patient doesn't know if they have insulin resistance. You know, sometimes people will ask that. They're like, how do I know? Right. Well, hopefully they have a regular doctor and they can get a hemoglobin A1C. And that's going to be kind of like a first sign. Also kind of, you know, tronchal obesity is... The visceral fat, the belly fat. Yes. And then they, you know, I'm not a primary care doctor, but just kind of reading about all of this, I I realized too, that your liver enzymes can be start to become elevated when you're depositing more fat into your liver. And that's another sign of insulin resistance. So I think it's pretty easy with those lab tests to spot, you know, the trajectory that somebody's on. So if you've got a high A1C and you've got elevated liver enzymes and you've got that belly fat, those are the warning signs for you. Yeah. And, and to me, it's like, this isn't even about vanity. 
it's not even about how you look. It's, it's literally about like what is happening inside of your body. And all of these things are so silent. And that's, what's scary is that like when I have a patient who has out of control, blood sugar or, or a blood pressure, that's super high before anesthesia. Like I have to give them my little talk about why this is so important that you need to get it under control because you, people do not feel bad from these things until they are in trouble. And it's, really scary. I mean, diabetes in particular, you know, it affects every single little tiny blood vessel in your body. So if you can imagine your eyes, your kidneys, your toes, your fingers, I mean, every little tiny vessel is affected by it. You know, the little tiny coronary arteries in your heart. And so for me, it's just so important that people understand why it needs to be under control. And then you get into, you know, sleep apnea and what that does to all the different pressures in your heart leads to like atrial fibrillation and pulmonary hypertension. I mean, all of these are the reasons people need to really take control, you know? Yeah. And through fasting and through, you know, possibly lowering carbs, if it's something that that someone needs to do also. I think so. I mean, maybe in the beginning too, I think if you're really trying to get a hold of it, maybe lowering carbs and doing a little fasting is like a one-two punch. And then, you know, after you kind of get on a roll, you can incorporate, I've been able to incorporate some carbs back in, which has been nice, you know? So I feel like people shouldn't think it's forever gone, but you know, if you're really like in trouble, that's pretty powerful to do those two things together. Cause your goal is to get insulin down now. You know, if you've, you've got high insulin, you want to get it down choosing actually, and instead of just even using the word carbs, you know, that ultra processed food of all types is not going to be your friend you know, switching over to some more fiber <laughs> carbs with, you know, the higher quality carbs, there is a difference. You know, that's funny that you say that because in my quest to constantly tweak things, I I went and had my first colonoscopy. Hope that's not TMI, but... No, definitely not. My GI doc was like, you know, you need to incorporate more fiber into your diet. And the standard American, you know, diet has about five to 10 grams of fiber a day. Well, you know, they recommend like 35 that's a lot of fiber and it's not always that easy to get. And if you go from 10 to 35, oh my gosh, your belly is going to hurt so bad. Yeah. Don't go straight from 10 to 35. <laughs> do not do that. But increasing the fiber in my diet and making a conscious effort to do so has been life-changing. It's made the needle start to move again and broken through a plateau because it's super satiating and it lowers the glycemic index of anything that you're eating. And I want to point out, I bet you're not increasing fiber by taking fiber supplements, are you? No. See, so many people, that's what they would do. They're like, oh, I need more fiber. I'm going to make this fiber drink and I'm going to take this fiber pill. So what's the best way for people to really up their fiber in the way nature intended? I mean, would be green vegetables, hands down. I mean, you just, you know, I'm, I try to make like at least half my plate, like full of veggies, if not like 75%. And it's, you know, it's funny because I try and eat them first because obviously it's like more fun to go to like the steak <laughs> or whatever else is on the plate. But, you know, if you eat them also, I think when you're like, your hunger is heightened, they taste even better, you know? So if it's like the first thing you eat, like kind of get some of that going and you may end up eating a little bit less, you know, throughout the meal. And I've really enjoyed that. That's just like my latest tweak. But I mean, I'm constantly trying to figure out the formula, you know? Right. But that's been enjoyable. I'm pretty sure my dinner had a lot of fiber because, you know, like I didn't peel the sweet potatoes. It had the the peel on there still. I just cut them up and the the peel of the squash and the um, the Brussels sprouts. 
I'd be interested to know how much fiber it was, but I could never figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, it is very hard to track. I don't track it, but I just know that it's, it's super high in all of those veggies. And it's so much more satisfying, like you said. Mm-hmm. And full of nutrients. So you, your body's getting like what it needs, you know? You know, because sometimes people ask that question. They'll say, you know, let's, I used to eat all day. Now I'm only eating one actual meal within my eating window and I'm worried about getting all the nutrients. You know, what would you say to that question? Because we do hear that a lot. When you think about eating the way most Americans eat, like pretty much everything we eat is devoid of nutrients. So I think if you're eating one meal that's full of veggies, you're going to be just fine. And like all the research shows that like people can fast for, I mean, remember the guy that you said fasted for like 300 and something days. I mean, he got all of his nutrients from his own body fat. Like he was fine. So I think that, um, just concentrate on like really high quality whole foods at dinner. If you're only eating one meal or, you know, two meals, and then you're going to be just fine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I get so much more nutrition now than I did when I was eating all day. When my breakfast was a drive-through and my lunch was a frozen meal and my dinner was another drive-through. I mean, I had days like that. That's what I ate. Oh, yes. I remember you talking about Chick-fil-A. We love Chick-fil-A. It's yummy. But <laughs> you know, there's chicken minis. I loved I would I would get the chicken minis and the waffle fr- waffle well, well the hash browns in the morning they had the hash browns and i would get you know if i wasn't dieting i would get a real coke a large coke and i would just sip on that i mean good lord what in the world <laughs> mine was like a dietary pepper all day like just like nursing it all day long but those large cokes i first of all how how high was my insulin going with all that constant sipping but the ice would stay cold in that styrofoam and it would last me the whole day and I would just sip on it. No wonder, I mean, I had a huge belly at that time. I know, I mean, I don't have an A1C because I've never been great about going and getting regular checkups. So I don't have the before data to compare it to, but I wish I did. I know. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I would only go to the doctor if I had like the flu or an ear infection, you know? Yeah. The data is powerful. You know, if, if, if people want to check before and afterwards, but you know, really you can, you can see the change in your own body and how you feel. Oh yeah. And that my waist size, I mean, I don't remember what my waist size was, but now it's, you know, a whole lot smaller. <laughs> yeah. I like to use like the waist, waist to height ratio and the waist to hip ratio. Those are a couple of measures that are very, they're linked to, to good health. So if anybody's looking for a way to track, keep a track of that waist. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. So you, these days, what does your intermittent fasting pattern look like? You said 18-6, is that kind of what you've... What you're doing now? Yeah, some. If I'm a little bit hungry, okay. If I've had like sugar during my eating window, like you know, of course I don't want to be like the crazy mom that can never like indulge with her son, you know, doing fun things, games and whatever. But if I eat a little bit of sugar or processed stuff, the fast is a little bit harder the next day, and I'll usually do like 16. But on a day where you know I've had like really nutritious food at night, it is very easy for me to go like 18 or 19. It gets a little tricky when I take night call or I have late call you know, it kind of throws me off a little bit when you're up at like two or 3am and you're supposed to be like sleeping and fasting. That part can be a little hard, but I've gotten a lot better at that. So I would say most days like an 18, six, and that's usually like a little tiny meal. And then like, we really enjoy dinner as a family, either at home or we go out or we're with friends. And so dinner is very important to me. So I like to try and save everything for that if I can. Meets, yeah, dinner is very important to me too. And I think back to all the the early years before intermittent fasting when it wasn't. We all just grabbed whatever and ate in, in shifts. But suddenly, when when the meal became more important to me because I was fasting, the food needed to be great, and I wanted to eat it with my family. It, it really is. I, I can I can see a huge difference when we all sit down together, and even with like my my parents live here, my husband's mom lives here. I mean, it's just such an important time for us to all get together. So I protect that. Yeah, me too. I don't want to have anything going on if, if I can help it. I mean, I'm not crazy about it, but I really do enjoy that time. So we are almost out of time. As we wrap it up, I like to end with you saying what you would tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting, or is there anything you wish you knew when you got started? The first thing I would say is read the book. I think it gives a lot of history and clarity about how we got to where we are, that Many, many people have failed along the way, just like you maybe feel like you have. And I just think the book is like the best jumping off point. Second, I would say it becomes, it really does become effortless. It may seem in the beginning like it could never be effortless, but I just say believe in it and keep pushing and keep pushing and don't try and go for like 20 hours, start with 16 and maybe even push it out 30 minutes, you know, every couple of days and see what, how that feels. And I would say that when I was really struggling in the beginning, when I was trying to learn how to fast, I would listen to fasting podcasts and it would give me so much, I don't know, just support and make me feel like other people are doing it. It made me want to keep going. So I would highly recommend finding a couple like fasting podcasts, especially like the one that you have with Melanie. Obviously this one, this is like, this is my favorite podcast. I mean, I've already listened to the one I know today I I woke up, it's a Thursday. It was the first thing I did is listen to it. So it gives me so much, I don't know, just drive to keep doing it. When you hear other people's stories, I guess, lastly, I would say that like everybody's what success looks like in everybody's life is different. I mean, for me, I can't really eat like really processed carbs, but that doesn't mean somebody else can. I've just like over 18 months figured out what works for me, but for somebody else, they may be able to, I don't know, but just, you always say like tweak it till it's easy. And I think that that is like the best advice is just don't give up on it. The process works. You just have to find where it becomes comfortable and you will find it. 
and reach out to other people on Facebook. The Facebook groups are huge, like as far as support goes and ideas and just feeling like you're not alone. I think so. And even if you're struggling, realize that you're not the only person who's struggling and that can make someone feel better. So you're like, am I the only person that this doesn't work for? No, (laughs) people have to tweak it. (laughs) Right. Or am I the only person fasting right now? And you're like, no, you get on there and everybody's like also fasting. And it's, I just love your community. You've like fostered such a, a, an environment of, I just love that nobody really cuts people down. Everybody's super supportive. There's, I don't really see any negativity. It's just, we need more of that in the world. (laughs) Yeah. Well, people are really awesome if you give them the chance to be. That's what I've found. Well, thank you so much. I've enjoyed talking to you today, Shelby, and I will see you around. Thank you, Jen. It's been so much fun. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.